Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, May 18th. Dane and Kevin, let's cock-a-doodle-do it. It's the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin, like, you know, how was your weekend? How are you feeling? We had live sports here, right? Whether it was the UFC, whether it was Bundesliga, whether it was the Ponies, and I know we looked at all of them. Tell me, how did it feel overall, the fact that, we actually had some sports to respond to this weekend. Amazing, amazing! It's been it's been the best weekend. Um, I have like a Bayern Munich hat. I pretty much was just wearing it around the house uh, all weekend, just being excited about sure. it. You know, and it's also helpful too because a lot of times, you know, like the soccer games will be pretty early. You know, luckily mm-hmm. we're doing what we're doing here on the early line. You know, I've told people jokingly I'm rebranding as a morning guy, so I was up and at him, uh, excited. Uh, it was it was just it was good to have live sports back team live sports back at also a more convenient time and also just mm. athletes that i'm significantly more familiar with right. uh, when we're talking about the bundesliga absolutely so you know we've moved on from the kbo as the focus yeah. and I, you know hey listen that was cool to kind of hold us over right when we were so completely starved but we mm-hmm. do see now these back to back to back ufc cards we see european soccer starting and you know we'll talk about those a little bit later on in the show but kevin what still has to be the headline and the big topic is how major team sports here in the united states will return okay yeah it's cool to put some fighters in an octagon or it's Mm. cool to get the jockeys out there riding the ponies right Mm. but what we're talking about are the major team sports and last week a big story was the idea of major league baseball and the kind of details of their return Mm. i think you know the big headline was when blake snell came out and in essence said you know it wasn't worth it you know to go on back with the health risk if they were going to have to take additional haircuts in terms of the revenue sharing or sharing the pain or the loss, something that I know we have spoken about frequently on this show. What I think is interesting, though, is now that kind of Blake Snell came out and said that, right, Mm -hmm. he's also given cover to kind of other players who may feel the same way. I think we heard after that, you know, Bryce Harper, who is a brand name player. Don't get me wrong. Blake Snell is known in in circles and even has a Cy Young Award to his credit. But Bryce Harper is one of the faces of the league. This, Mm -hmm. to me, Kevin, is akin to, you know, that call that had LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard and Damian Lillard, right? That's what, you know, Harper is to me. And he's coming out and saying, yo, you know, Snell raises good points. I think the quote is, and we have it up here, he ain't lying, bro. What do you think <laughs> about that? Now that some of, um, you know, players with a little bit more weight behind them are kind of coming to the aid, does this make you more concerned about them coming to a deal? We even heard Manfred say he's confident. What do no. you think about more and more players coming, in essence, to the aid of what Snell's sentiments were? Yeah, I think it's important that way people understand that, you know, a lot of, I mean, the issues that people take up with Blake Snell is the regular, uh, that, you know, people always wanting to attack players more so than owners, which has always been puzzling to me. Um, With that being said, you know, Blake Snell getting not just the brunt, but just the entirety of the blame. He's like Rudy Gobert 2.0, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) Except he's not transferring coronavirus to people. He wants to actually not get, right. I hear you. Bryce Harper, though, now coming out, and then he can not only shoulder some of that load, but as you're kind of alluding to there, encourage other players to speak out and talk about, 
you know, how they feel about all of this. This this has to be a collaborative effort. They're not going to get anywhere, like, working against one another, which is what they are doing. And I think people, the more that players also speak out, I think the more people will find themselves understanding of where they're coming from. Some people felt like Blake Snell, uh, right message, wrong wording. Again, I mean, for me, it landed. I understood what he was saying. You know, right. but I, people. Are, but maybe if he led with the health risk instead of the financial aspect, it may have been digested a little bit easier. Sure. Which and I mean, look, it's it's to each his own. But the more people that speak out, the more likely you are then to see people's um, yeah. hope. You know, somebody kind of delivering that message in a way that it is more pal- uh, palatable. Yeah. I think yeah. for you know the the fans, and and that way they can uh, you know understand where these guys are coming from. No, I think that's true. But, you know, remember, and that's what I said all last week, right? The devil's going to be in the details. And this is one proposal. And now what it looks like, we have entered into labor negotiations, right? Um, Back and forth, whether it's about, you know, um, what happens if someone tests positive, whether it's about the share of the losses, you know, them making, I believe you told us last week, the idea that the owners stand to make four billion dollars less than they mm. would in a normal scenario you know the players are saying maybe this is not worth it and we have owners saying listen it may not be worth it either you know one thing i did find interesting though we talked about another story here is like what a day in the life of the player might be like in yeah. this, you know proposal right the idea of you know masks and temperature checks you know kevin i played baseball up to the college level And one thing I know about baseball players is they're creatures of habit. (laughs) They're creatures of routine. (laughs) You know what I mean? If you think about even the jokes, like in Major League, the movie of how Pedro Serrano had to have a live chicken before every game. (laughs) Wade Boggs had to hop over the third baseline at exactly 7.07 every day in his career. We, you know, we know this, but tell us a little bit about what we're hearing about a very dense plan. I think it's like 67 pages or something like that. And all the details, I think this is going to where on players what do you think Kev? there's a there, there's a lot right i mean 67 pages is always it was always going to be a lot <laughs> but there's so many different takeaways so there was there was a heavy emphasis put on the day-to-day responsibilities yeah. for these athletes wake up take your temperature using the thermometer above 100 call start your quarantine process if not cool make your way to the stadium where I believe then you'll have to have your temperature taken again. And then if that's all good, you can play. Uh, then they're beginning the process of, you know, they have to sit in the stands for the games. They have to right. sanitize every half inning. No baseball can be used uh, if, if multiple players touch it, which means you on every play for strikeouts. Like, I don't know how many. What like happens have when you try to have a – when you pick some, try to pick someone off at first base? You got to like, switch out the ball? It's It's a lot. I mean, it's it's – I mean, first of all, if two people touch it, that's pitcher to catcher. So that's a new ball each pitch. So is it three people then is, is too many? That's a routine ground ball. It's it's, And one of the points of contention within this piece that players were, um, you know, kind of speaking on that uh, Jeff Passan was reporting is that they're like, well, how are they going to really enforce this? That's Not that we're necessarily saying we're going to go out there and purposely ignore them but am i going to actually be fine if i give a fist bump to a guy who makes a nice play am i actually going to you know be fine if i'm caught not sanitizing in between half innings because it might have slipped my mind and i'm i don't know thinking about the game that i'm playing like that was and that's the thing they put so much emphasis 
on, on these, these regulations, yeah. minute details that I'm not saying are important, but if you look through uh, the piece, Dane, you'll see that there were major questions being asked yeah. that the 67 page did not have answer to. You know, for example, yeah. what happens if a player tests positive on the road? What am I supposed to do? Can't get on the plane. I have to drive them. Am I supposed to leave them there? Right. Like, what's the plan there? It was even, you know, they're they're tearing off the personnel. And tier three is, you know, your groundskeepers. Right, right, right. Everybody's a human. Everybody's at the same risk. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, why is it that we are so comfortably saying we're going to be doing a lot less testing of tier three? Why stop or tier umpires or other staff, right? Grounds crew staff, right? Like, that was uh, another major point of, of kind of contention of this piece. And, and maybe the biggest one, Dane, as we tie this back into yeah, no. the financial aspect of everything, is they're expecting uh, these teams to build new, basically, housing, if you will, with inside their stadiums, new rooms to make sure everybody is socially distanced. I thought the whole hang-up here is nobody had money. You don't build new rooms for free. Like, there's not some special magical fairies that are contractors for sports yeah. that'll do this for free. And, you know, Kevin, we talk about this all the time, right? We talked about it when it related to damn Walt Harris over the weekend and his UFC fight with the idea of what was going on with his daughter. We've talked about this in relation to Matthew Stafford and what was going on health-wise with his wife. We've talked about so many times where, like, you know, Isaiah Thomas has his sister die and then goes out and drops 50. We talked about how this idea may wear on the Houston Astros if they had the vitriol of the road fans all season. Having to go through this is going to be draining on players. There is a palpable anxiety out in our society right now, okay? There just is, in every community, in every city, in every state. You see it when you're in the damn supermarket and there's someone not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. You see it, you know, when you are going to, like, worry to visit your mother on Mother's Day. Okay, like this is the state of this country right now. And we are now going to add an entire litany of regulations, requirements, processes to the athletes that they are not used to. That is only going to drive anxiety up, Mm -hmm. you know, and I am very interested to see how how the athlete handles this. You know what I mean? It's just not easy. The same way that there's extra pressure for the grocery worker, for the Uber driver, having to go in and do their job on a day-to-day basis with all of these extra requirements and regulations. You know, one thing I do agree with Blake Snell is that this is going to be really, really different, and no one knows how people are going to handle it, you know? Mm. And that's why I've been saying for weeks here, Kevin, the devil is in the details, and it seems to me that baseball is only first in trying to iron this out. We don't have a (laughs) 67-page proposal for the NBA, right? right. We don't know how these things are going to look, but as soon as you start to have something out there, it can start to be dissected and torn apart. And that's the part of uh, the phase that we are in with Major League Baseball right now, and it really just raises for me a lot of more questions on... Will we answer all of these questions and check mm-hmm. all of these boxes, you know, before next month? I think we're, we're seeing the real difficulties of trying to do this from scratch. I mean, we've, you know, 
a lot of times we've tried to figure out like who has been the most hard been hard done by by this whole process, right? And everyone knows the NFL so far out, this has been great for them, right? Uh, the NBA getting cut off in the middle of their season, but clearly they only have so much to come back to. It might not be all that bad. NHL is in the same boat. You feel right. awful, awful for the seniors of col- of you know of, of oh. college basketball and those teams, but at the end of the day. You know what? They, some of them were eliminated. Like the I, the I, the Iona Gale season ended. Uh, you know, I, like right, before right, right. The, you know this all came to a close. Okay, the spring athletes, but I believe they were offered that extra year of eligibility. Sure. They might be all good. We are seeing how difficult this is for baseball because they were right there on the cusp of their season beginning. Went through spring training, had the rug pulled out underneath them, and are now trying to figure all this out. And there's also been now more details provided to us that we can, um, you know, get into maybe next segment, oh, if you'd like absolutely. with the financials of all of this. We're kind of getting a little bit more of insight, I think, into what the owners are alluding to when it when they talk about how it's not feasible to give right. its salaries out. It's all becoming super fascinating and very, very layered. All right, so that's what I think we should do, okay? Let's dig into this a little bit more because I know this is going to be the hot topic all week long. Will they get it right or will they screw the pooch on this? We'll talk more of the financial details, and then don't forget, we give you our kind of takeaways from the first weekend of Bundesliga. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. He's Kevin. I'm Dane. And we've been talking about, listen, the devil is in the details. And I'm telling you all, as more and more meat goes on the bone of these proposals, it's just more and more meat to be critiqued, to be disputed, <laughs> and to go back and forth in negotiation. We're starting to see that, whether it's like if people like the universal DH or not, if people mm-hmm. like the idea of the travel and the alignment, and most notably, how is this uh, revenue sharing or loss sharing going to be collectively bargained? And, you know, Blake Snell came out and made his position felt. I told you about Bryce Harper talking. Looks like Nolan Arenado and other players were kind of, you know, coming to the backing of Mm -hmm. Blake Snell. But you also talked about how Bryce Harper came out and said, maybe 82 games is not the way to do it. Maybe more. By the way, Kevin, isn't that what I expected was going to be part of the players in the comeback? Talk to me about how maybe 135 or a higher number Mm -hmm. would be better, not only for the players cut, but to satisfy more stakeholders and constituents here. Yeah, 100%. You you know, when, when you said that at the time, I was like, oh, that's a good point. And now, I mean, it's really seeming, it might be the only option. Uh, as you, you know, so Bryce Harper talked about 135 game schedule, the schedule, okay. you know, bleeding into, I think even December, uh, kind of comparing it almost to like, hey, it's like a Super Bowl type of feel. Like, it's all good. Um, you know, saying Sunday, seven inning uh, double headers will be right. off once every two weeks. You know, he actually... He didn't, you know, he went through a lot of details there for Bryce Harper, and I credit him for that. But we also got some new financial details, and and one of the um, more, more jarring numbers that came out was that under the prorated salary plan, the players would be accounting for about eighty nine percent of the revenue. Now, I am very much on the side of the players. I believe they've already made their concessions. Eighty nine percent is a ridiculous number because I would have to believe that even in the most fruitful 
years for Major League Baseball. Sure. That the owner's percentage, I can't envision it ever crosses a 70% threshold. They, they're usually spending on, on salary. So 89% is, is where I go, okay, maybe something needs to be figured out here. But one of the more interesting pieces that also kind of came out is how they are fearful that they can be losing a lot of money due to the TV deals. And something yeah. that is, I don't know if it's been obvious, but it, it's become, I felt, apparent to me as we look through you know, ESPN and their negotiations with the UFC, mm-hmm. even wrestling and their negotiations with their networks, is that the TV networks are not really here to, ah, don't worry about it. They have it's they're a paying a lot of money. Exactly. They're paying a lot of money for these things and they need to hit their minimums. Yeah. And so now you have to satisfy regional networks. So for example, yes, S and Y National, of course. We're talking about ESPN and Fox and of course, you know, the different things that that trickles right. down. So to. how do the Red Sox give ESPN 13 games and give Nesson 83 games when there's only a 78 game season? Exactly. So to me now, I think baseball needs to s- switch a little bit the conversations that they're having. And I think that they need to try and get now. I, 162 is probably not achievable. And I don't even know if maybe the 135 is achievable, achievable. But what they need to figure out is what's the minimum that we need to satisfy our TV contracts? Because that right there should boost up their projected revenue then allow them to satisfy the player contracts significantly more. And also, Dane, because where people would push back on this is, well, look, it's going too far. We can't play baseball that deep. You know, we can't be playing baseball in December. And then what's that going to do for next season? My two arguments would be, one, I don't care that you're playing in December. Go somewhere warm. It'll be cool. It's a weird season anyway. We don't, the Yankees don't need home field advantage. It's all good. Like, just play the game somewhere warm so we're not having snow delays in the world series my second thing is delaying your season is actually a good idea because we don't know when fans are going to return and we're having this massive problem because there are no fans who knows maybe you get lucky and fans can return for your world series and we have something figured out to where fans are back by november december okay maybe that's not realistic but if you don't start the next season until the 2020 you know until june of 2021 that's also good because you have to believe fans will be back then what's the benefit of not having fans then so all in all this is perfect i think for baseball to try and push this thing back and that's to me what i think they should be trying to do add more games and push this whole thing back yep and we'll see remember but As soon as we add more games, that means players making a bigger chunk of their original salaries, and we'll see how the owners feel about it. But I think the biggest, the moral of the story for me, Kevin, is exactly what I've been saying to you and anybody who will listen for weeks now. This is not only the players. This is not only the owners. This is the television networks. This is the fans. This is the unions. This is local and state governments working in concert with each other, you know, and that's the level of collaboration that is going to be required in order to, you know, make this happen. I mean, think about it. I've even seen in a very small example over the weekend, 
the Preakness Stakes, which was supposed to run this weekend, decided mm. that they have another date, okay? I believe it's like October 5th or something they have moved it to, right? Well, guess what? That now has to be in consultation with the state of New York and Belmont, right? Because mm. how does Belmont go as part of the Triple Crown? And that's in New York. So will it violate a Cuomo order of pause in New York City? All of these things have to be worked out together with everyone at the table, and yeah. there's going to be no solution that works perfectly for everyone. That's why we got to get going to it to start to iron out what these details are. But I digress. One of the things that did happen is already out there, right? With no fans and whatever the testing is, what we know is UFC. And Kevin, now for three cards in one week, let me ask mm -hmm. you first, at a top line idea, are you tired of seeing UFC action yet? Three cards in what, seven nights? No, not at all. Oh, my goodness. No, not in the slightest. Um, my only thing is I just don't want them to run Wednesdays because I'm, I have AEW to watch. We please. know. We know. It's I'm just saying. Maybe you got to get it in there. Go ahead. And, but also, too, like, there are just a lot of crossover. Like, I don't know why. They, that is an overlap of fandom. Yes. Like, they are pulling away from their own audience. Nevertheless, no, I've not been tired of it at all. I, I mean, Saturday, Dane, Saturday was a dream. Wake up, watch the beginning of the Bundesliga games, right. eat my lunch, hit a nap, wake up. Dinner, UFC. I mean, it was beautiful. Saturday was beautiful. So, no, I'm not getting tired of it at all. Um, I mean, you know, now, not, not seven days a week. Not okay. seven days a week. <laughs> okay. But, you know, one, I mean, at least once, you know, once a week. The next fights are, are were supposed to be the 23rd because the UFC wants to be back in Vegas so badly. Uh, they're going to wait? They're, they're pushing it to the 30th. They won't, they've said that they're not going to push it back any further. If they can get the thumbs up to run in Vegas, cool. If not, maybe they head back to Jacksonville. Okay. Um, but, no, I'm not tired of it. Uh, All right, fair enough. And, yes, that card, I think, will be headlined by Teron Woodley and Burns, and that's going to be in two weeks. And, remember, we heard that Arizona is opening up to sports, sure. so, you know, there may be options once we get a little bit further down the road. And, hopefully, you know, uh, as we get into future cards, you know, I know early in June, Amanda Nunes is supposed to fight also. You know, we will see. As we get into the Saturday card, and, you know, you were giving out picks for all of these cards here on the early line, in the main event, we talked a lot about Walt Harris and how he was going into this fight with a kind of uh, heavy heart or an emotional kind of guy. We talked about the horrible, horrible story about his daughter being kidnapped and ultimately killed and how Walt Harris was bringing that into the ring. Now, this was an intriguing fight, Kev, and it seems like, you know, Harris may have had it if he didn't at the end go for some crazy upkick or something. Talk to me about this fight and how it kind of flipped on a dime at the end. Yeah, so Walt Harris comes out and, I mean, cracks Overeem. And, the, the, see, this is where the subjectiveness of the UFC can really aggravate uh, a better. In that, if it was a different ref, you know, Dan Morgliata let the thing go. Walt Harris might have won this fight. In the first round, first round knockouts, could have cashed for people. And yeah. that's, that's not what happened. Dan Morgliata let it go. Ultimately, Overeem got back up to his feet. But all Walt Harris had to do was keep composure. Overeem was completely rocked. He then threw a terrible upkick, tripped, landed on his backside, and then Overeem got on top of him for two and a half minutes plus. Walt Harris then basically couldn't breathe. Like he had nothing left in him because he, you know, he was trying to empty the tank on 
trying to finish over him, and then just when a man of that size is laying on top of you, it's not good. He's getting hit with shots, getting t- he's taking a ton of damage, ultimately survives the round. He, didn't, he wasn't able to catch his breath in between rounds. Overeem caught him again, got on top of him. And, I mean, again, Dan Mergliata. I don't know if Dan Mergliata was like, I'd love to see Walt Harris win. I don't know if it's because Overeem wasn't really, really laying in vicious shots. But, I mean, he was completely flattened out on his stomach. Just one, two, not enough. One, two. I mean, it was like 20 punches. Um, hmm. That where it was like, eh, this has been over for a while. Um and yeah, and, and Walt Harris lost, making him now three for three favorites losing in the main event of these UFC cards. That's right. Three straight dogs coming home. To me, that can't, that cannot maintain. Whatever that next main event is, I've got to go the favorite. I have to be. <laughs> the law of averages, right? Regression back to the favorites. Yeah. All right, that's interesting. We will see and we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. You know, one of the things that, I was kind of gleaning from you in covering our other two cards was the idea of the refs, right? And we did have some split decisions, right? In the Iggy Barboza fight, um, in the Angela Hill fight, we did have some split decisions. Um, Did you feel comfortable with the decisions that were in play or any controversy in your eyes? I also saw a fight where, you know, we had that 29-28, but then we also had the 30-27 as well. So talk to me about, you know, some uh, some of the scoring and some of the refing that you saw here. Yeah, I think the one thing that I'm I'm just glad I was able to pick up on it from the first card, 249, and it's been proven true each time to the point where it might have been maybe the main topic of discourse coming out of this Saturday's fight night, uh, which is that these judges were simply not trustworthy. You didn't want it in their hands. Uh, it started uh, actually with Vera against Yadong. And okay, right, right. from everything that we saw, I think it was a unanimous decision for Yadong. It was. 29-28, each, every judge. Yeah, but, but I mean... The consensus through the timeline, you look at it, that was Vera's, and mm. that, and it didn't come home for him. Then the Iggy Barboza fight. I gave out Iggy. I thought Barboza won that fight. It went, it went to Iggy. Um, it's actually Ige, but I prefer saying Iggy. Um, and then even the Angela Hill. You're so Clodge- fancy. Iggy Azalea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go ahead. There you go. Um, but, and then even the Claudia Gadelia Angela Hill fight, another fight where I said Claudia Gadelia. Tough call. Really tough call. More people seemingly leaned Angela Hill. It went Claudia Gadalia's way. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. Now, we'll see. Maybe it was a situation that had to do with the group of judges that they had in Florida. And if the next cards are back in Vegas, Ah, it's a different scenario. But to me, that's why I'm getting more. I'm trying to be more creative with how I place my bets. Iggy was plus money. Gadalia was a favorite, but we had her by points. Took it all the way down to minus 105. You're trying to get more creative with these decisions yeah. that way you don't Method get of victory the even right exactly absolutely and remember when i ask you all the time i'm like give me a dog and it seems like <laughs> plus money is where to shop we continue talking about ufc and what it means for the future when we come back this is the early line right here on sports dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 
Welcome back into the early line here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we were talking about UFC fight night. Not only listening to Daniel Cormier and whatever he has to say on play-by-play. Not only talking about the fans that are or are not in the stands. But, Kevin, you hit giving us some cash mm-hmm. on UFC fight night. I know in the ba- uh, Baeza fight, you not only had him, but you nailed the method of victory as well. Yeah, uh, Baeza by knockout, which was plus 125. And uh, that was that was one of the better fights of the night, uh, even though it was pretty short because Brown clipped Baeza early uh, and then in the first round, Baeza clipped him right back and I was like, man, who's like, who's getting this one? We got to the right. second and that's where Baeza was able to uh, to finish that fight by knockout and one of the um, you know, because it's, again, like being able to bet UFC more is cool. You're starting to learn more trends and one of the trends uh, that I heard is the idea of, if you bet the younger fighter when there's a nine-year age difference, typically yeah. you'll come out profitable and the idea makes all the so sense. So if you fight me, heavy money should go on you? Now listen, now it's, it could be a sample size, right? I don't know, Dan. I'm not sure what I'm signing up for here. I hear you. Um, <laughs> but listen, I, I just think it makes a lot of sense, right? Because it has to do with, with chins being tested significantly more. I mean, Matt Brown has been in the UFC. I mean, I was... <laughs> so a lot of times, like, I'll try and see fighters like most recent... Um, Trends, and I think I mentioned how Matt Brown was finished. I think, or his six straight fights, right, were finishes for Brown. Now I could have gone back and given you like twelve or fourteen, but then I'm pulling fights from like 2010 because this guy's been around forever. But my point is exactly my my point just though is that he's been hit in the face so many times. This is Baeza's ninth ever fight. Cauliflower ears. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and even like it it applied with the Walt Harris Overeem fight as well. I mean, he clipped him. He, he clipped him. He had him. And maybe a, a different referee, he wins that fight. So I think that's that's one of those trends that I'm going to keep in the back pocket for sure. And another thing is, you know, we've been talking about, just in these fights, you've been talking about to win by KO, right? Or, mm. or this fight will not go the distance, or this fight yeah. will, right? Um, as we go more and more, because listen, this UFC ain't going anywhere. Dana White is going to keep cards going on. He's, you know, buying the island, whatever the case may be. We're going to see, you know, big big names coming up in the next few cards I mentioned, including, say, like Amanda Nunes. What are you starting to pick up here? You know, we have Johnny the Greek on. We hear your picks and plays and leans. What are some of the things that you're taking away now that we've seen UFC after this, like, two-month hiatus? We don't know what it's going to be like without fans. We don't know what it's going to be like with the added anxiety and pressure. We don't know what this is going to be like. Are you finding new ways to get your action in? Are you finding new ways to get the money in? Like, what are you noticing, not only in trends in just the fights, but in kind of like your approach, your process to investing in the UFC? Yeah, Saturday was the most comfortable I felt with the the picks that I gave out. And it was it was four and two. Walt Harris, man, five and one sounds so much better. Um, but, you know, and, and the first two nights, you know, I don't think I was above 500 in either night. It's just starting to fight. Just getting a little bit more comfortable with the sport. Like the more you, the more you do the research, the more you kind of, you know, the things that you want to look for, and also like sometimes for people, you the the humbleness of being able to learn from being wrong. Um, for example, I had Yadong versus Vera not to go the distance, and ultimately right. went the distance. Yep, might have been fight of the night though. Okay, um, I can't remember the exact awards. It actually might have been given a fight of the night award. The fight was amazing. Both guys landing absolute bombs on one another. but And, and they both were, were finished guys, and I gave out those trends, but neither guy had actually been stopped. And so, okay, you know what? If neither guy's been stopped, that might hold a bit more weight, regardless of how often they're stopping guys. 
okay, that's kind of a, a lesson learned there. It's also just like, all right, this guy's making his debut. Who's he fought kind of in the lead right. up to this? Just, just kind of these different things of, of starting to really understand the, you know, even Angela Hill, right? Like Claudia Gedalia was a minus 230 favorite. Now I picked Gedalia, but I said, listen, I think Angela Hill does have a chance here because she's already fought twice in 2020. She's been so active and she came out and she looked so sharp in that fight. And that's why we took the Gedalia bet to buy points at a minus 105 because there was nowhere near the confidence level to make that bet at the minus 230 that she was priced just to win by any type of route. So I think those are kind of the, the different things. You're just learning to, to not only pick your spots, but to know what to look for throughout your research for each of these individual fights. Yeah, you know, and that reminds me, uh, like another sport that's been going on, right, is horse racing. Mm. Okay, and when you look to bet the ponies, there is a wealth of information and data that comes your way, right? The buyer figures from the price races, this, uh, you know, how they finish, if they're changing, if they're getting Lasix, what tracks there were, what the splits were, right? All of that info. But you have to understand how to make meaning of it. Mm. And you get better and better at doing that over time. So I think it's interesting as we dig more and more into some of these sports that may be new for some of the sports investment, uh, sports investors here during the pandemic. Very interesting to start to sharpen your skills and understand what are the data pieces, what are the trends that carry yeah. more weight than others. I find it very, very interesting. Well, Kevin, if we went all the way back now over a week, you know, three previous cards of UFC, there was the big one and it was UFC 249. And if you remember, Justin Gaethje got the job done as a dog. You mentioned this against Ferguson, right? So the question is, What's next now for Justin Gaethje? And the funny part to me is people are thinking about Khabib. People are thinking about Connor. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of the brand names maybe that can generate, you know, max pay-per-view buys or yeah. biggest purse or what have you. But I thought it was interesting. Check this out. Justin Gaethje talking about how, you know, he used to be chasing down Connor, right? <laughs> but now, my how the tide has turned and the roles yeah. reversed. It's good to be the king. It sounds like now Connor needs to stay and wait in line for him. Yeah, so, I mean, Gaethje, you know, he kind of was, was talking about, oh, I, I can choose if I want Khabib or if I want Connor. And he's, he's, right to make, he's right to make the decision, though, to go for Khabib because the. The fight with Khabib is for the title, and you always you want to be the champion. And if he wins versus Khabib, and then he goes against McGregor, it's a significantly bigger fight if that is for the main title, and he's coming off a win of Khabib and Regimedov. Also, it's really, really difficult right now to know what is next for Conor McGregor. We know he wants to stay active. Okay, that was, that was explained. I think right. he would have already had a second fight in the year if not for everything that's been going yeah, on. Yeah. Like, if he wasn't in Ireland, I think he probably is the one who steps up and fights Tony Ferguson over Justin Gaethje. I think so, at least. With that being said, it's hard to see where you put McGregor right now. Because Khabib and Gaethje, Dana has said, is going to be September. Because of Ramadan and everything, that has to be pushed back a bit okay. further. Tony Ferguson is not really an option. Because Tony Ferguson, I don't know if he fights again this year. Like, you know how they give out the suspensions yeah. based on health? He is going to be pushed back super, super far. Dustin Poirier, Connor fought him at 145, knocked him out. I don't know if that is as attractive of a fight. So then Connor likes to think about his super fights. Jorge Masvidal. The problem is right. Masvidal is supposed to be fighting Kamara Usman. In fact, 
You right now can bet on that fight at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Mm -hmm. That's how confident they are that, that that's gonna go. going to be the fight. So really what's there, I've seen some people throw out the idea of Nate Diaz. They've, you know, they yeah, always they've juiced that orange, haven't they already? No, we'll get the third. But the thing is, you don't need to go now. We'll get the third more so towards the back end. I mean, it depends on Nate. But the tr people will always be excited for the trilogy. Neither guy needs to be on any type of win streak for us to get that third fight and there be excitement around it because of how special the first two were. So to me, it's difficult to figure out where McGregor kind of comes in. He right fits now. in selling whiskey and that's about it, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's got his liquor brand and he wants to promote that on some level. And, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Connor used to be like the janitor in Ireland, you know, and coming from nothing and all that? He's now a very rich man. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? So on some <laughs> level, you know, I say the same thing to Connor that I at one point would say to Cam Newton or that I used to say to Gronk, even though he came back. Like, why? Why does he need to put himself through that? Does he truly have the same dog in him now, now that he is a generationally wealthy man? So to me, couldn't, couldn't he be a promoter? Like, the yeah, same way that, was, like, Oscar De La Hoya has and Bernard is. Hopkins. So why, let, let's just do that. He The thing is, no, but I've, I've said that as well. I said, really, he doesn't need this. He doesn't He's a need carnival barker. Let him do that. The thing, though, is with McGregor, that was true before the Khabib fight. Yeah. And I think we saw that play into the Khabib fight. Now, to each his own, but there was a lot of reports that, I mean, he was literally drinking days before that fight. And his whole life was, like, pretty much... I mean, he was living the life that you would think a man who had nothing yeah. that now had everything would, right? He's like hood rich. He's ready to go put 20 spinners right. on his damn Jeep. Thing is, there's the idea of, you know, when we talk about, like, the love of the sport, he genuinely does love fighting. He came back. He talked about how clean he got for the Cerrone fight. Listen, people who decided to turn Cowboy Cerrone into a joke because McGregor beat him, you're just disrespecting Cowboy Cerrone. McGregor looked absolutely magical, as he does. And I think he wants to fight again because he loves fighting. He genuinely does. Does he financially need it? No. And if you and I, I all right, I'll just go for me, but I feel like you're in the same boat. If you told me I was as financially set as Conor McGregor, no, I'm good. I don't need to be punched in the face. That's right. also, he very, he very, very obviously does love this to that level. I just think right now the matchups in the UFC are a bit all over the place. And yeah. you, I'll tell you this much, though, about the Gaethje thing, to pull it back. If they told Gaethje, listen, you can get McGregor in July, and we're going to push Khabib back to October because of Ramadan, the way Gaethje is, that's a... Listen, at the end of the day, there is no bigger fight than fighting Conor McGregor. That has been true for years. It remains true now. And if that opportunity comes around because Jorge is going to go for his belt against Kamara Usman... Then I would, I you know, I keep our minds open is what I would say. All right, fair <laughs> enough. I'll also keep my mind open to the next time that Conor McGregor steps into a ring or an octagon. It could also be an, against like Canelo Alvarez or or Seth Rollins for all I know. You know what I'm saying? The other day, talking about fighting Floyd. You know who? Because here's the thing for me, and I'm not begrudging the man for it. Okay, he has crossed over, Kevin. 
He has crossed over. He is mainstream. He's got commercials. He doesn't have to go in the octagon. He could do a little exhibition fight against Floyd. He could be the next, like, like Tyson Fury, you know, to bring it back to your WWE. These are the <laughs> kinds of guys they're pulling in, right? Tyson Fury, um, uh, the other mixed martial arts guy they had, Cain Velasquez, you know, that these are the kind of guys they're bringing in. You can't tell me that, you know, uh, Conor McGregor wouldn't fit in that universe as well. I just think his star is bright enough and you talk about the whiskey, the promotion. I wonder if that's actually what's in the cards for Conor McGregor moving forward. Here's what we're going to do, though. All right, Kevin. We talked about the UFC. The other thing that was going on this weekend, kind of in a return, was Bundesliga. My squad, Borussia Mönchengladbach, got a 3-1 win. We'll talk about all the favorites out there, Bayern, Dortmund. What you noticed, what we saw with fans not in the stands and some of the same kind of takeaways. What are we learning and what does that mean for the future in Germany in Bundesliga? That's what we're going to do on the other side of the break. So for Kevin Walsh, I'm Dane Mar Martinez, don't leave us after the break. We just got to go pay some bills. Come on right back. We're going to be giving you the edge. That's what we do here on the early line on SportsGrid. Come on back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we were just talking about the UFC. What we need to also get into is Bundesliga kicked back off with match day. I believe it was like match day 26 or something like that in their season. And, Kevin, here's, you know, we talk about all these sports that return. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the blueprint that they're establishing for whether it be Major League Baseball or the NBA or ultimately the NFL. And one of the things that I did think, one of my big takeaways is that there weren't three substitutions, okay, in these soccer games. There were five, yeah. right? And that we've talked about things like expanded rosters in Major League Baseball. I think we're going to have to understand, accept, and acknowledge that any sport, any world class athlete, that has been on hiatus for two months, there's going to need to be either runway to get them back into game shape, mm-hmm. extra care, or like accepting that we're going to have some groin pulls. We're going to have some <laughs> muscles getting tweaked, you know, because that's just natural. And it seems like that actually did happen yeah. with one of the, you know, actually an American star that's out there on Dortmund. Yeah, so uh, Giovanni Reina, 17-year-old winger for Borussia Dortmund, was supposed to get the start uh, and then warming up. Uh, had an injury, he gets pulled. Thorgan Hazard, who's actually the younger brother of Eden Hazard, the mm. world-class players over at Real Madrid, uh, yeah. Hazard actually proceeded to score too, which is like, you know, if you're Reyna, like that has to hurt, man. Like supposed to make your debut, kind of like supposed to be a real special moment for you. They went out there. I mean, Dortmund looked amazing. They won for nothing, and you probably would have, you know, fancied yourself to get involved in that scoring. And that right there was a real oh type of thing. A lot of times, like you want to beat the line, right? It's very important. Uh, Borussia Dortmund at one point was, I know, a minus 180. I don't know I don't know much further back than that, but I think they closed maybe around minus 200 to win that game. And that's because as we get closer, people are looking at who they know, and they're going to start betting those. So you want to get your bets right. in early, but you have to be careful. 
because I think we could see situations like this arise. Yeah. We saw Raheem Sterling uh, recently kind of talked about the Premier League, Manchester City's right. Raheem He's Sterling, City guy, yeah. and saying how they need five weeks before they could play, which is a lot of time. And, you know, I also, you mentioned the substitutions point, and, you know, I, I briefly snuck it in there for my, my own selfishness just to get more uh, takes, but um, Martino Puccia, who um, will uh, join us on Betting Around the Rim, yeah. also hosts the free kick here. I was like, hey, talking about the Bundesliga a little bit coming back. And he's like, the substitutions are really big because it's good for the best teams because I, they're depth. Like it allow, like if you if everybody's eleven can be somewhat close, okay. But now when my sixteen are are still better than your eleven, right. it's really difficult. And that's where you know it's sort of like teams in the National League who have a tenth or a ninth good hitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for this yes, season with yes, the universal exactly. pH. Yeah, and no, we talked about that before. Yeah, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, 100% though. Just, so it's, it's something to kind of keep in mind and how these substitution patterns is something that can favor uh, the, the better clubs in this league. As if, and then, you know, look, it's not meant to favor them. It just, they're deeper. Their rosters are deeper. So when they go to their fourth stuff, teams. Exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you mentioned Martino. We're going to have him on later in the week to handicap the next match day here of Bundesliga next weekend. I got to I gotta ask you, though, Kevin, mm. how did uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach do? <laughs> they looked amazing. They scored in 35 seconds. 35 seconds they got on. Uh, that was actually one of the games that we, we, uh, we did have a bet out on. Over two and a half was minus 140. Um, when you got the first goal in the first 35 seconds, I was quite happy. Uh, then the next one came in the seventh minute, and I was like, uh-oh, this is too good to be true. Yeah. And what was really fascinating is, Dane, so I, you know, 9.30, 12.30, I had my eyes uh, as glued to the screens as I could also to the live betting options at the FanDuel Sportsbook. For some reason, the Gladback game, the live betting was not working for them. Hmm. So it was one of those things because I just wanted an idea, right? Like, we've played over two and a half. I've got two goals in seven minutes. Yeah. If I wanted to get out, to go right. Just like, like, what's my, like, what's my hedge point here? And they didn't price it. Now, I, I ultimately then pulled over to the DraftKings sportsbook, and you know, but that point was the thirtieth minute, and you know, there was some, like, it was plus five forty for there to be no more goals at that point in the game. Now, ultimately, the final score was three one. Game got over the number, no problem. Um, and that was, you know, that was one of the better plays that we had for the Bundesliga this weekend. But Gladbach looked. They looked amazing. They they looked like a team. There were some people out there who believe that they can be in the race for the top of the Bundesliga, and their performance absolutely showed that. So wait a second. Like I thought Bayern had kind of run away and hid a little bit at the top of the table. They also get a W over the weekend, 2 nothing. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about this. I was looking at the 2 nothing exact score, the 3 nothing exact score. You had talked about Union Berlin and how they were kind of also rans here. So hopefully you went with Bayern Munich as well. I got to ask you about this Leipzig game. Okay, for two things. I know you had, you know, kind of a takeaway there. But, you know, what's interesting to me is they look just like the New York Red Bulls here in America. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, yeah, I believe. Uh, is it the same I, like I parent company? I know like NYCFC think, yeah. is the same as Man City with the Etihad, you know, the Dubai group. So maybe there's something like that. But tell me, what did you see in this Leipzig game? So we, um, we had uh, Freeburg not to score in this game. And unfortunately, that didn't come home. Freeburg actually jumped out to the lead. Now, the goal right. they scored, even the even the goal scorer would admit to you, very, very lucky. Uh, he went to back heel it with his right foot, whiffed, and it bounced off his left foot and went in on a corner kick. Nevertheless, a goal's a goal. Sure. Um, now, two takeaways, though, from this one for me. The first one is it was inevitable 
because your Dortmund to win, Leipzig to win, Bayern to win parlay was about plus 150. No way. Heaviest bet Bundesliga um, action that you're going to see. There's no way that's going to all come home because everybody was going to be piecing that together. There's no way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just the way betting works. Leipzig was the team who came up on the short end of that stick. But here's what did jump out to me. Because I also, I tried to watch, you know, I tried to pin down the games that I was going to watch. So I watched, I was watching Dortmund against Schalke. Schalke. Right. Oh, man, they're going to. Schalke. Yeah, it was ter terrible. But you get it. Um, and then I was watching Leipzig Freiburg as much as possible. And, Leib you know, you're watching Leipzig and they're, and they're knocking on the door. Down one nothing at home, better team. And it got to the point in the game, I think it was about the 75th minute, I pinned it, uh, where it's a double chance bet at FanDuel Sportsbook. Minus 105 for them to either win or draw. And yeah. the reason why that jumped out to me is they I knew they had the ability to find one. They were on the front they're, foot, yeah. They're also the team that, look, once one comes, maybe they do win this game. In, in the 77th minute, they tied it 1-1. The bet at that point then went to that same bet Minus 2,100, oh, easily wow. could have hedged out. And now, funny enough, Freeberg actually had a goal disallowed from, from an offside. But what stood out to me about this bet is I didn't even know this stat while, play, while, while kind of pinning that bet, is that Leipzig leads the league with 19th goals in the last 15 minutes Late of game. game time. So right there, that's a note you keep in your back pocket. Yeah. Especially if they're home, down to a team they're better than, or a team that they're, you know, if, if, they're, if it's a draw, they're a team that you can come in, and if let's say you get to the 70th minute, attack that team. Leipzig is a team that you want to bet on late in games. All right, let me ask you. I got a couple of follow-up questions here because sure. I know you do a lot of work here on in-game live. I'm on in-game live, and when we see the live betting, right? There's so many different options, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I say all the time, I'm craving for like the Baltimore Orioles to go up one nothing on the New York Yankees every <laughs> same every damn night, right? right? So that I can get that live number. Right. And so maybe I want to ask you about the live betting in soccer. Is it the same thing or is one goal a bigger mountain to overcome in soccer that you don't want to kind of go that route? Let's say the dog gets out on the front foot, um, you know, against, say, Dortmund at home or whatever yeah. it is. Am I more likely to go ahead and just be happy that all of a sudden that's a better number? You know, that's one thing I would ask you. I also know, like in the NBA, everybody makes a run. Right. So I know that if I see a 12 point spread, I can get a good number because that other team is going to mm. bounce back in soccer. When I watch it, even though I'm something of a novice fan, I can tell when a team is like playing aggressively on the front foot. You know, yep. the announcers are like they they deserve to score here in the next <laughs> 20 minutes, you know, that sort of thing. If I can see that as a casual fan, that the tie you know, like the dam is about to break. Are those opportunities in the in-game live betting for soccer? And if I'm wrong, what are the opportunities? In no, you, no, you're you're 100% right. So Leipzig again, it was, it was I was like I'm watching it. I'm like they're knocking on the door. They're the better team. It's right. coming. And I had a similar spot uh, with the Bayern Munich game on uh, Sunday. You can tell it's coming in soccer. Yeah, Bayern, Bayern, and especially the when it's the good teams because you trust them. So Bayern again, what, like they're knocking on the door, counterattacks. They keep getting good shots on goal. And so we originally had that game over three and a half. Now we didn't get there, um, but the live line on over one and a half goal when it was one nothing Bayern was minus one thirty. And actually, that minus price inspired more confidence in me when it came to that bet because it's, yeah, Bayern should score. They're expecting them to score. And uh, again, it was m seconds later Bayern was able to put in 
uh, that second goal to get them to nothing. The, you know, we always talk about it in live betting where it is so helpful to watch these games, but sometimes with basketball, you can do it through watching the box score. Same with baseball. Soccer's different because it's only like, say if it's only one, nothing, right. You go to the shots on goals. It might not tell you yeah. the whole story. You don't see the flow of the game. Who is really possession exactly. dominant, right? Exactly. Um, you know, I even try to take a look, you know, so uh, Dortmund yeah. scored first, okay? one nothing. they went to minus 600 to win the game. Right. So right there, it's like, yeah, this thing's kind of done. Right. You, you know, it's, it's you, you kind of see those spots there. And also where it's, it's difficult, but it's fun. You have to be creative, right? So I'm talking here about a double chance bet with Leipzig or a draw. I'm talking about over one and a half goals with Bayern. Mm-hmm. The triple money line can make it difficult. To right, because that draw spot. is always live, right? Exactly. it might not get all the way there. That team may come back, but just to draw it and get one point out of it. And the other thing I've, I've noticed, and tell me how this plays into it. Mm-hmm. The team goes up one nothing. Yeah. They completely changed their style of pet play, right? Oh. They put, like, all 10 guys behind the ball. They, quote-unquote, park the bus. Is that something you can read when, in essence, they've, they've shifted their philosophy to just try to hold that lead and get out of dodge with three points? Yeah. 100%. And that's the thing. Like, they'll also offer you correct score. Let's say, you know, it's a tight game. A couple weekends from now, we'll see Bayern Dortmund, right? Ooh. Let's say Bayern goes up 1-0, one, uh, one and you go, all right, they're going to park the bus, and I'm going right. to trust them not to concede. You can bet correct score. And I'll just throw you one more example on this. Live, you can bet correct score? I think so. I think you actually can live bet correct score. And I'll throw you another one here. Uh, Wolfsburg were favorites um, on the road against Ausberg. Scored first, went to minus 360. And they were like slightly, I think, plus money as favorites. Again, that's the power of the triple money line. So they score. They go to minus 360. Ausberg draws level. And then, boom, right there, Wolfsburg's back up to plus 150. Now, part of that is... We're later in the game. Now the draw feels more likely. Does um, the draw get to minus money eventually? At, at points, the draw will get to minus money. The yeah. draw got to minus money in that Leipzig game um, after, you know, they kind of had pulled themselves ahead. Right. So that is the thing there. It, playing that triple money line live, it is, it is a test. But if you get creative, you can find your spots. You can find your value plays. Listen, and just like we talked about here in the UFC with so many different ways to skin the cat, right? You can get correct Mm -hmm. score. You can get scoring in each half. You can get these alternate lines, all right? So for the next couple of weeks, Bundesliga is going to be one of the games in town. We'll bring in our guy Martino later on this week, Mr. Puccio, to tell us a little bit more. But when we come back, our number two, we got one game happening tonight in Bundesliga. We'll give you Kevin's play on that. And then we will turn our attention to the National Football League news and notes and another deep dive into a team come on back for hour two of the early line right after this dailyrodo.com learn from the game's best dfs players we don't just give you premier advice we play every day all major sports all year round we never stop industry leading dfs tools and custom projections and now the dailyrodo.com optimizer in minutes build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys learn from the game's best dfs players join dailyrodo.com 